In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. We're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. Before we jump into this topic, I want to acknowledge that even the title alone is probably triggering some assumptions, good and bad, about uh, the topic and where we're going to be going with this. I want to lead off with that the TLDL version of this podcast, which is the too long, didn't listen. Essentially, things have power, more power than we typically want to give them, particularly things that we do with our body. That being said, I have several tattoos. And just because something has power does not mean that the power is always bad. The first part of this podcast is going to be talking about the weight of things. And so you might be worried that we're going to be condemning every tattoo is the mark of the beast, which I actually do remember somebody telling me in youth group one time. So... Uh, that's not actually where we're going. That's not our understanding. Uh, believe that tattoos can be beautiful and can have power for good and for evil. So as a heads up, that's you know more the direction that we're going to be going than just let's all jump on bashing millennials and their tattoos um, because that would be too easy. And I'm sure those articles already exist. So I hope you enjoy what will be a much longer and more thoughtful conversation to follow. But this is your, hey, heads up, try to not be too triggered and not to be too worried as we just flesh out a topic that eh, probably most of us have interacted with, but not necessarily come to a conclusion on how we feel about it. Maybe I should start, I should just out my concerns for this episode. Go ahead. I'm concerned that this topic is so ginormous. Oh, well. And that there's so much that I would like to say that I'm going to end up saying nothing. And it's going to be like, it's going to be like first kiss status where I like had the line involved that I was going to say to lead up to this moment, but it was pretty complicated. (laughs) (laughs) That's your fault for trying to quote Shakespeare for your first kiss. (laughs) It took me too long to... Da, da, da. I don't remember the whole thing. Yeah. Actually, I do. I'm just not going to say it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's sad. That's so sad. <laughs> anyway, what we're talking about today uh, was actually prompted by a fellow team member um, and the discussion that he's wrestling with as he's trying to make uh, an informed decision for his son as his son is, well, I think, 16 and wanting a tattoo. So, we're talking um, about tattoos kind of for some of today. We're talking about tattoos because it is actually an incredible point of entry into a wider topic about the way that we see the world, 
the way that we think of our own bodies. And we can get there really easily through the contemporary debate that many 16 to 18-year-olds are having with their moms <laughs> about their desire to get a tattoo somewhere on their body. Yeah, right. Well, and there's an element of this that does uh, apply to more than mummies and scarring and all of that. Um, so in terms of the new and son's rhythm, <laughs> th this is, there's both, right? We're not just going to go straight down into um, history 203 tattoos and ritual scarring. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> right. No, because we're also going to talk about Felix. <laughs> <sighs> Where would you like to start this conversation? Oh, with the mummies, I think. Okay. Well, in ish, I don't there's know. A, there's I, don't have, a, I don't have your notes. Those are your notes. I have different ones. I was going to start with this table of contents from a recent book on tattoos, and it's a way. What's it called? One hundred years of tattoos. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Uh, and this guy, who is an artist himself, David McComb, noticed, as many people did, that millennials may have been the last generation to struggle with their parents with tattoos as a population. And that something happened, you know, around the year 2000, which just marked a shift in the way that American culture thinks about tattoos, how acceptable they are. So he wrote this 100-year history. Why I think it's the great way to start is because he does a good job of showing the way that most people think about tattoos without ever analyzing the deeper questions of their bodies. And he, right, I will give you his table of contents. 1914 to 1945. War and ink, the golden age, roll up, roll up, with exclamation points. That was, a, that was a thing? Just rolling up your sleeves. Oh. Uh, so, obviously, that, end, that ending with the end of World War II. 1946 to 1969. 1969. Great year. Great year. That a lot of different things happened. Uh, you know, Woodstock, moon landing. Uh, ink from the clink. Rebel Tattoos, Tattoo Revolution. 1970 gets to be called the Tattoo Renaissance, Women and Ink, defying convention into 1990. Uh, 1991, Styles with Substance, now mainstream obsession. Mm. And he's not wrong if you look at sort of the, you know, should I get a tattoo? Well, what if we started by talking about the history of tattoos in the U.S. and go, well, didn't like uh, sailors start coming back with tattoos. And there was this watershed moment in the middle of the 1800s in uh, Great Britain when one of the princes came back from Jerusalem with a tattoo that the crusaders would get. And then these other two princes went to Japan and got these ritual snake tattoos, and it became a thing. It was, like, edgy and cool. The problem is that that entire story is the Western worldview, which exists inside a thick glass bubble, <laughs> trying... You mean history didn't just start in, like, 1901? It like did not. That, that would... What I'm struggling with here 
is the need to get out of the materialist worldview to talk accurately about the history of tattoos and what it says about them in the Bible. Because this is so interesting. I was reading 100 Years of Tattoos, and he goes, the reason that we don't like tattoos in the West comes from Rome. Romans, in sort of the height of the Roman Empire, first century, didn't like body marking. And when they did it, it was as a punishment, you know, scarring, branding. It was as a form of torture. Uh, and that kind of marking, you know, the word for mark is a stigma. But in English, we use the word stigma to describe something that's derogatory, negative, culturally taboo. And he goes, so, and that's why in the West we don't, because we think of ourselves in terms of the Romans, that's why we're not into body marking, Roman stigma. So if I were to extrapolate off of that, because that's all new for me, crime cultures and underworlds would have less of a problem of self-identifying with there being flaws to themselves and sailors who have a shorter life expectancy and have that just caution to the wind a little bit would be the cultures that it starts to really express itself initially because I think most folks wouldn't say, I don't want a tattoo or I'm, you know, my grandmother wouldn't say, I don't like tattoos because I'm a Roman and I don't like body marking. She'd be like, I don't like tattoos because criminals have tattoos. Like you, that guy who went to jail has a tattoo. And that's still very much the case for like cultures like Japan where tattoos are like something that you conceal because it is part of crime culture. It isn't like it is here in the United States where you have a neck tattoo. Maybe you just model clothing. I don't know if that's a zinger or not. It's a well-delivered point. Okay. Wow. Yes. So pause. One of the things that I want to say in the beginning of this conversation before we move on to the other dimensions is to think about tattoos and to think about what's going on because I want to respond to, yeah, crime cultures and, you know, James Dean-esque rebels. The interesting thing about these edge cultures that begin getting tattoos like sailors is they know that's not true. It's not just... Victorian people in England who have a bunch of social rules to follow or they'll be cast out of society and sailors. Outside of that is the world of spirits, is the world of, yeah, but what is actually going on? As with many other things, the show Avatar The Last Airbender nails this <laughs> because uh. his eyes and his tattoos both glow when he is moving into this spiritual state mm -hmm. or moving into the spirit realm. So the interesting thing about tattoos, the first thing you need to know is that as far back as we have human remains, we have tattoos. And I'm going to give you a grab bag from around the world. Are you ready? Like, so, what about the ice popsicle person? The ice popsicle person <laughs> with the arrowhead in his shoulder. Yeah, yeah exactly. You uh, know the one in the Kamehameha Pass. In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otzi. Otzi. That's what I was going to say. Otzi has tattoos. Yes, he does. He has a name, Otzi. Got it. <laughs> um, That's what we were talking about. Otzi has tattoos that are also centered around him. Otzi's the guy that works in this table. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, he's a great guy. Missing a couple teeth. Otzi! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't he a background a character like in that, Frozen? He, he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so he's one of the oldest bodies that we have, right? From like 3,000 
BC. Sure. Plus or minus. Uh, so you could have said any number. 500 And years. I won't be able to correct you. So the oldest man's Otzi has tattoos. His tattoos are central, uh, are centralized around what acupuncturists would call the energy sites of the body, uh, intriguingly. Um, but so to go all over the oldest human remains that we have in South America, the Chinchorro culture, they have tattoos when you find a body. Uh, ancient Japanese ceramics. We don't have as many Japanese mummies. Have a, and then we don't have really any North American mummies, but the oldest sort of like effigy engravings, like let's make a, make a monument to whatever chief and let's depict his body on this. They have tattoo markings on them. Mm-hmm. And to go, wow, so like the Pazereks, uh, this ancient tribe in Russia from around 600 BC, we found all these mummies and the chief had these animal patterns and these monster patterns and these things that were identified as griffins that when I read that, I like, I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, those? Okay. Oh my gosh, West. Uh, we are living in an anime where uh, we are in Boston, say. I'm going to go back to Avatar. Yeah, yeah, just take okay. with the one. So, Sam, what's happening in Boston, say? <laughs> where there's no war within the walls and they enchant everyone to make them forget that there's this hundred-year-old war raging right outside mm-hmm. the city and no one inside will acknowledge that it's going on. Right, and the king doesn't even know what's going on. The king doesn't know what's going on. That's the West. The West is the bossing say, like, there is no war within the walls. There's just matter and there's energy. There's just us and yeah, our culture. Yeah, it's the culture police yeah um and then but you begin to push into the frontiers at the borders of that of that bubble and you begin to find the close interaction with spirits and you you know and it's like wow they had these griffins and i'm like those are not griffins okay okay look around the world for that thing that's a depiction of a kind of experience that humans, that the earliest humans that we have record of had. And those guys are interacting with the threshold guardians of gods and kings, for sure. Uh, I, I'm going to finish my world map. Um, let's see. Uh, Mississippi River region things. Uh, in ancient Italy, right in the heel what is the name of that culture? The Downians. Uh, from like a thousand years BC, they made these stone carvings. And whenever they showed people, the people had tattoos on them or body markings of some kind and go, this is present everywhere. Hmm. People and body marking. What are they doing? And to go, okay, well, <laughs> so I was trying to do some research for like tattoo rituals to make this point. But the funny thing is, is when I searched tattoo ritual, all I found was a bunch of tattoo shops called Ancient Ritual Tattoo Mm -hmm. or Ritual Art Tattoo. And I'm like, ha, 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 yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I should also like raise the flag here that this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean it's bad all the time. That's not the direction I'm going. The direction I'm going is that this is an effective ritual act that does something. And so we know in Oceania, 
because, uh, you know, my, the Hawaii plus go further west and go into Polynesia, Micronesia, Polynesia, Micronesia those. Um, those have really great oral tradition cultures. And so we have kind of access, you know, there's no, we don't have any paper, we don't have any ancient books, but we have access to ancient stories because they were preserved faithfully. And they're like, and you should put your hand in the air and go, why were tattoos put on by priests? Uh, and they understood that the two arch deities who are the sons of the creator God would come and interact with the person as they receive tattoos. And there would be a kind of formalization of a real brokered relationship that would affect that person's life from there on out. I hope everyone's tracking right now. Like, is anyone listening going, there's no such thing as spiritual beings? Do you think? What would you say to that person? <laughs> Where should, they should pause and they, but, and they should go listen to or read what? I think, well, if you like this stuff, you should go over to the Wild at Heart podcast and find the series on spiritual warfare. Is there a Bible project, particular one on spirits or on like... There's a Bible project YouTube series, thank you, on spiritual beings. I okay. think it's four or five episodes. It'll take you the next 20 minutes to watch. Go watch it. It's really helpful. Because a lot of different things come to mind when you start talking about that. I'm thinking of Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. I'm thinking of the crazy Noah film with... Um, oh, yeah, Russell Crowe. With Russell Crowe and... Darren Aronofsky, is that who directed that yeah, one? Yeah, nice. Um, I'm thinking of all of the uh, the Sistine Chapel and like all of the classic Christianese loss of imagination with spirit and spiritual. So when you say brokering relationship with spirits, it's like, what am I imagining right now? You are an ancient person and you have an interaction with a spirit on the earth. And so you try to establish a relationship. And because you have assumptions about the ways that your body is the focal point of your existence and you have certain assumptions, you, you see that what you do is able to affect spirits and what you do in your body is able to do things. You build these rituals, many of which involve body marking and people in Christian circles trying to figure out what to do about tattoos often quote, uh, you know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy where it talks about body marking, don't do this, it says. Uh, the interesting thing is like, the Jews were for sure not against all body marking. Can you think of why? <laughs> uh, there was a certain sign of the covenant. There was that a was, sign of the covenant that around. they would do. Not a lot of foreskin hanging around, let's just say. <laughs> Use a different verb, please. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> circumcision. <laughs> circumcision is a is a Jewish iteration of body marking that solidifies. It's a sign of their relationship with this spirit, uh, this this supreme, unique spiritual creature. You know Yahweh, the Creator God. But then he's talking about you're about to go into Canaan. Canaan is populated by. These very Canaanites, ancient Ugh. societies. No. <laughs> I mean, calling them all. I wish I knew one of these things. These <laughs> very <laughs> sometimes the guys just gotta know one. 
that have kind of mastered these brokered relationships with different spirits, and they have different ways of observing the relationship. And so the Bible, it's funny, it tra- a lot of people translate like Leviticus, don't get marks in your body, don't get any, or don't scar yourself, don't get any tattoos. It's like, there's, okay, there's no word tattoos. Like, it's all describing ritual body stuff, ritual body marking, ritual body scarring, the one that sometimes uh, gets called tattoos. The word for mark is scar. <laughs> the word for tattoo is mark. Why did they do it that way? I don't know. The Egyptians would have ink tattooing. That's how they would keep their makeup on. Oh, um, I thought that was a new terrible idea. <laughs> Tattoo makeup? Yeah. Is that a thing? Oh, it's a thing. Eyebrows, eyeliner, eyeshadow. Well, t- Just don't Google it right now for, and then pray that these um, poor people have mercy. Rabbises would... <laughs> be like, oh, girl, you look good. <laughs> <laughs> or have that reaction. <laughs> man, that's sweet. Oh, man, are you the wife of the god of the sun or what? And so it's like, hey, the assumptions in the Bible around what you should do with body marking is built on a worldview that's not materialist, that understands what you do with your body matters deeply and has a formative effect on your relationships with spirits and spiritual creatures. And that is what everyone else around the world thinks too. None of it is just ornamental. Mm. None of it is is non-spiritual activity. And so when you begin to think about tattoos, one important layer to add in is to house the rest of the conversation inside a world where What you do with your body matters. What you do with your body has a spiritual dimension. Actually, most of the things you do is a form of interacting or affecting the spiritual realm. And some who get described, you know, some of these angels are on God's side. Some of these demons are not on God's side. And when you see these ancient treaty solutions, these ancient tattoo relationship brokering things, it should absolutely make you go, whoa, what are the spiritual dimensions of my desire to get a tattoo? What story is this happening inside of? And who exactly am I including in this relationship, explicitly or, you know, inexplicitly. It's like the old monastic prayer, God is here, bidden or unbidden. Mm. Uh, Just go like, the spiritual realm is involved, bidden or unbidden. Since that's true, keep that in mind when you make choices about your body. (laughs) Is there a choice I can make that has low stakes to it? Mm. Where where do I go for the, (laughs) the safety... Is there a place where I can go for lower stakes? Like, can I do things that don't matter? Because like, <laughs> uh, it feels like most of what I do doesn't matter. <laughs> and it's disappointing to hear that it has higher stakes than I thought. Such a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is how, like, yes, you can be inside the kingdom of God where the work of Jesus is like a castle wall around 
your actions. That may not be a good metaphor. But go. There That's is, different than bossing. There's space. safe space. There's safe space inside of which to operate. But to go, right. are there actions that don't matter? Be like, hmm. uh, well, I would ask that question a different way. <laughs> it would be like, how do I handle or create buffers for the fact that all action matters, and I don't feel like I can deal with that all the time? And I would go, oh, okay, yes, there are ways to do that. Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. I thought I was a squirrel. Yeah, no, this is really good because I think uh, around when we were kids in the 90s, there it felt like the culture for at least Protestant Christianity was that if you had a tattoo, that was the sign of the beast and that you were going to hell. And also if you played with Pokemon cards, I mean, it was synonymous. Yeah, that was the culture we were in. It was like so I saw tattoos from a distance and if someone was a follower of Jesus and had a tattoo, it was a sign that they had a past. Totally. Totally. Unless it was uh, a cross, an ichthus or ichthyus, however you want to pronounce it. Whatever that thing is. The little fishy. Uh, there's like the, the Christian permissible tattoos. Some people think that Paul had ritual body marks. Oh, yeah? Anyway. But uh, <laughs> I went to go. There were, there were, there's a Christian fish. But our culture, it was like, the thing that feels weird about it in this context is mm. the people that I knew weren't concerned that the Christian who had got a tattoo, like, had gone and gotten a spirit guide. Right. Uh, right. They were concerned that they had failed to act rightly and therefore had fallen outside the boundaries of God's justice. Mm -hmm. Just a very sterile, empty world, but with a very strong stigma uh, against doing something that would put you outside of good relationship with God. Right. And there is every reason to revolt against that. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a generational revolt against being outside those people. Um, or that framework that had very clear ins and outs. I, I think it is as we do like work our way back out, the the topic of tattoos like in the practical, in the do you get one, do you allow your son to get one, that kind of a conversation. Um, there's a group of people who are going to go, well, I'm just not interested and they're not really for me and I don't either particularly like needles or I, I would just never get one. It's not my... Um, artistic expression. It's just not the way that I'm built. And part of this conversation in the way that you were driving it to that made me feel slightly uncomfortable of like, oh, but it doesn't mean that you are now free from the conversation around what you do with your body is making allegiances, is brokering treaties, is a sign of relationship with God or a different spiritual being. Like, just be, there's not like a pass for those folks listening going, oh, yeah, see, wow, what a tricky conversation to get into if you're going to get a tattoo. It's like, well, you were mentioning to me about like ear piercings, right? And there was like a, yeah. a monk or like a, what was that again? Of like the upper ear. Oh, well, so that uh, is from the Old Testament. And it's if a slave chooses to stay and be a servant to their master, they can have like, I think it was an awl. I think it was like a sewing tool, like rammed through their upper ear into the door and they can pierce their ear. And then... That begins taking up as a sign of slavery to Christ. Some monks do it. That's the thing that some people think Paul has where people who mm. have a more philosophical view 
of sort of Paul the philosopher, not Paul the prophet, are like, no, the marks in his body are like, you know, scars from beatings and calluses from walking around telling people about the gospel. Mm. It's like, I don't think that he would talk about those because of who he was. I, I think he may have had, like, he was, he was circumcised, so he already had ritual signs of his uh, relationship with God. <laughs> the point is, if a Christian mom with, like, verses from Timothy stenciled on barn wood in her kitchen was really opposed to her son getting a tattoo, I'd be like, are you baptized? Because that's a physical act with massive, real consequences. It's a ritual that you did as a sign of an inflection point in your life. And even though you don't go around dripping wet, uh, all of the spirits know you're baptized. They can see it. Do you take um, communion? Do you, do you take... want your children to take communion? Like there is an act with your body and some very visceral language that Jesus uses about the presence of his body and what you are meant to do with it. Exactly. But to go, hi, Christian audience who's like, don't do permanent things with your body. Uh, being like, if you're married, did you consummate your marriage? Uh, that's an act that is physical, but with like cosmic consequences. And like, did you give and receive rings? What were the rituals? Did you become one flesh by saying words to each other? You can't get out of this like ritually embedded life. Mm. It's a little annoying to think that things that don't put lasting marks on your body aren't exactly as material and shouldn't be entered in with, too, with the same level of gravity and like consideration, simply that they're different. Yeah, uh, right. It's annoying to be like, I don't, I don't know, is the regret that a minority, evidently, if studies are to be trusted, is the regret that a minority of people who have tattoos any different than the, the regret of the person who slept around in college? If not, which I think it's not, you're not different. Does the way that Jesus affects your story address that regret and make it mm. not something that lasts forever? Which to go like, you know, people who did have like crazy sexual histories. Mm -hmm that has been like a mark of their shame. That can actually be addressed by Jesus such that they understand themselves and to go, people with crazy sexual experiences, uh, let's look at Mary uh, who pours out her oil on Jesus's feet as one such example whose actions said everywhere they tell the gospel. And it's like, God addressed that suffering and that like his own wounds, like your history is restored and doesn't have a weight on you. If you ended up really not liking your tattoo, it could be the same kind of thing. Or even worse. Like, let's dial it up rather than just like, I got a, you know. Tweety bird. And feel so dumb about it. I got something that like genuinely is from a dark, like from a cult, from a moment in the in, like true binding myself to a demon. I knew an Anglican priest who had an ohm sign on his forearm. So. Right. Just hypothetically speaking, if someone had done that. Yeah. And that that also is like there's nothing outside of the, the reach of the restoration of Jesus. You could be ransomed. This is what Paul is getting at when the blood of Christ is better than the blood of rams and et cetera. Mm. Yeah. So there is part of me that then wants to go like back to the, the team member who was asking, back to the, 
the young man back to, I've tried to imagine myself having the conversation with my kids someday because I have several tattoos and to go, okay, the trend is that this is, I, I appreciate what you mentioned earlier is that millennials are the last generation to have to argue with their parents about whether they can get a tattoo or not because it's 38 to 50% of millennials is the current data have at least one tattoo and half of them have more than one. And that just is increasing and depends on which research study you look at and what year you look at. I mean, yeah, some of that's five totally. years ago. And I remember reading that we, we do get lost as a culture, like the bossing say thing going, well, tattoos um, for a lot of the secular audience become this thing of my world feels impermanent. Who I was in a past season feels like I'm losing them or a certain moment feels like I know that's not going to last. Therefore, I'm going to get a tattoo as a sign of permanence. So there's a really interesting window into a culture of like, oh, you're getting this. I think for those of us who grew up in the 90s and experienced you know, some like rebelliousness, like that's still there for sure. But there is a culture aspect that is a, a longing for something permanent. And so that's like the hyper-sterilized glass world of the West is still still knows that these things are meant to be grounding us and tying us to more lasting things and to go, okay, what are you wanting to put? What is, what is it that's going on in your body? Is it something that is aligning you with the story of Jesus, the story of beauty, the story of restoration in some fashion? Or are you going to Ritual Tattoo, which is, you know, I, I know that shop. I think I, I actually <laughs> got a tattoo at that shop up in Denver. Um, and getting something on you, like you've, you know that person, you've seen that person who comes up and has certain tattoos and you're like, oh, there's a lot of death and darkness covering your body that you have externally aligned with. And sometimes that's helpful to see externally, to know, because they certainly could have done that internally. And to go, just as like a small piece, for the, those of you out there who are having your conversation, like very like specifically with a 16-year-old, I don't know that I would have chosen the same thing when I was 18 that I would 10 years later. So like as much as you can graciously just try and put the brakes on the 16-year-old making that choice for a lot of categories. Try and operate in wisdom where the 16-year-old whose mind is all over the place um, doesn't have the ability to navigate that themselves. Oh, can I add a thing to that? Yeah. I want to go... I love what you're saying. And as you're talking about speaking to the heart of the person who wants a tattoo and finding what the stakes are and to go, kids who are transitioning kids, <laughs> you know you are not <laughs> in your teens anymore when you describe a 16-year-old as, <laughs> you know, these kids. <laughs> um, Jeez. These people. <laughs> these young who are men and women. Young men and women are hitting real inflection points where they're ready for more authority. They're ready for their kingdom to expand. And I think that part of it may be there's not a place to imprint identity outside of ourselves in our culture all the way up through college because you are still just bobbing or you're being bobbed along. And uh, I am so intrigued I didn't think of this earlier, but I'm thinking of this now to go, if, you know, if when my son or daughter was 16, they were like, I really want to get a tattoo. And as we started the story of what would that mean? What are you noticing 
and simply because I know that their tastes will change. Yeah, yeah. As they get older and be like, I think your tastes are in a period of flux where they're they're going to be much more different in 10 years than they would be for the 30 years after that 10 years. But to go, okay, you want this marker, this sign, like this thing, where is a real way to expand your, like acknowledging yourself and your ability to express authority that might be different if I chose to not have a 16-year-old get a tattoo and go, right. let's buy a car and fix it. Do you really hate your job? Like, well... I mean, this sounds lame, but it's like, what kind of group do you want to start for a while, like sharing your thoughts and art? Or you are meant to make a mark on the world that has a real effect. Most teenagers in the West don't have good ways to do that. Uh, Their ability to do that isn't invited by our culture. And so finding ways to invite that and be like, okay, uh, you know what? We've been waiting to remodel part of the house. Do you want to do it together? Uh, <laughs> can't get a tattoo, but let me show you this work brush. Here you go. <laughs> I, I would think that'd be cool. Uh, Maybe they wouldn't, but you see the point. Yes, and I think it is a good one. Um, I think for me, some of my story, I got a tattoo at 19 and got it on my left forearm somewhere visible and prominent. And even at that age, knew like I am aligning with a story and a certain identity. And... These days, look like the advice I would give is really find an artist that you think that their style is can uh, like you can feel it through an artist's style. You'll know right away based on like what someone a tattoo artist is creating, what they think about the world, and what their bent might be spiritually. It's based on what they're going to be doodling. And so I found someone more recently for my next round of tattoos and was like, okay, I want to find something that is beautiful, someone who cares about this and be really thoughtful about what it is that I'm going to be aligning with the narrative that I'm going to be seeing on my body every single day. And in that respect, it is powerful. I mean, it is like a phylactery that's wrapped around my arm and that reminds me and brings me back to a particular narrative. And I am actually looking forward to getting more and recognize that there is a weight to them and that there is. Uh, a narrative behind them and it makes me curious like it's a it is an interesting doorway into conversation with people and just to like see them and ask like don't be afraid not to ask some people will be not very forthcoming but often they are really significant identifiers about a person i mean we were at out to lunch one day the waitress had a tattoo that was just a date and it's like oh yeah. You want to ask about those because it was, we asked and it was the date that she lost a dear friend. And like, all of a sudden now we're having a conversation that wasn't possible with a human before. Um, so they can really be interesting doorways into relationship if you want to take that risk. Yes. Oh my gosh. To just also I go, those people have those marks. We have a culture still of whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, inside, you're inside of everything unclean. I remember, you know, uh, when NFL players started getting more tattoos and there was a backlash. It was visibly and intensely hypocritical because it was like, you look good on the outside, whatever, team owner, but inside you are full of lust, violence, hatred, rage, and everything unclean. But you hide it and play a game. At this point, it's all been, this is a huge deal. 
where this lands in an interesting way or where this begins to take a turn is it's also not a huge deal. Also, if you're a parent listening, like the wounds that your friend or child could take in the season where they're thinking about a tattoo will last as long and have probably deeper effects than even the very ritual thing that they do with their body. Like, if my child was in a season of intense depression, would I let them get a tattoo? Yes. Where it's like, yeah, but, you know, hopefully their depression won't, you know, last more than several years or so. I'd be like, stop, stop, stop. I don't care because my vision of humanity still has the heart as the absolute center. I can just think of my kids being older being like, right now, you know, whatever, in your high school years, you need this sign. Fine. Great. Big thumbs up. And if later you have ambivalence thinking about it, that's okay. We can work through that later. I think returning to Paul, he's a great example because his ritual sign, circumcision, did become a sign that could have shamed him because it was how he tried to make his life work apart from God. And it made him explicitly embarrassed. He tr- He's like, I think of my whole past as being like, you know, blood-soaked menstrual rags. But because his entire story was one of redemption, he didn't mind being circumcised, but he didn't tell anyone else to do it. <laughs> he was like, it doesn't matter. Your story can change. And even things that were reference points in a story that's kind of wound down or changed can be rolled up into a good story. 